Hey Slingers, welcome back to another week of the Word Slinger Podcast. This is another solo Kevin episode, so stick around and hear what I say next. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours now? Here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Well, I am Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Thank you for tuning in to another week of the Word Slinger podcast. Uh, I am fresh back from St. Louis. If you noticed, there was no episode, no two episodes last week. Now that I'm doing uh, two a week. Uh, there were no episodes last week because uh, I didn't get a chance to really produce anything. I took along some equipment and still was not able to do this. <laughs> um, I learned a few things in this trip, but I did have a wonderful time in St. Louis. Uh, it, it was a great conference. I was at the Cat Writers Association conference. Um, and, uh, you know, I picked up something interesting there. I picked up a, an idea. And that is um, that inspiration and uh, creativity and, you know, productivity, these things apply no matter what your drive is, right? We had a, we had a great time at this conference, and I have to tell you that going into it, I was not at all sure what to expect when I, when I dropped in on this thing. I, I'm not a cat writer. Uh, I don't, you know, necessarily fit in that world of the bloggers and the the, uh, the people who uh, the industry professionals and the folks that I was uh, kind of rubbing elbows with, but uh, or is it rubbing shoulders? I don't ever know. For, I don't know the uh, the terminology for that actually. <laughs> anyway, I, I had a great time uh, hanging out with everybody, chatting with everybody, and everybody was very interested in what I had to say about self publishing, um, and uh, so. Really, it became just the sort of typical author conference for me. It was no different than attending any of the uh, dozens of other conferences I might go to in a given year, um, except that it was themed around cats. So what I've taken away from this is, you know, it doesn't matter what it is that drives you, uh, what it is that gets you to put pen to paper or put your fingers on the keyboard and get going. You know, producing something around something you're passionate about is uh, it's always a worthy, it's always a worthy venture. It's always something worthwhile. Um, and you know, I I talked to a few of the bloggers from this event and realized that um, a lot of them confided that they don't always feel very welcome when it comes to uh, how they're received by the rest of the cat writers. So they're not novelists, so they don't they don't they feel like they get a little bit of. Uh, uh, snubbing sometimes, um, and I experienced this by the way way back when when I when I started writing blogs for the Houston Chronicle, um, I uh, I encountered you know, a little bit of snobbishness <laughs> because I wasn't writing for the paper proper. I wasn't writing for the uh, the print edition of the Chronicle. Now I've written for newspapers. I've written for magazines. Uh, I had actually at that point had written a book, um, and, uh, had done, uh, quite a bit of, you know, copywriting and that sort of thing. I've been paid to write my, practically my entire adult life, um, especially up to that point. But 
Despite all that, I met with resistance over this new idea of blogs. And I'd been blogging since before there was a name for it. You know, I had a, a journal on my uh, website. It was a blog. It was something I updated regularly, uh, daily for a while, weekly for a while. Um, this was before blogging platforms were invented, before the term weblog had been uh, coined and then shortened to blog. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, there was some snobbishness involved. There were some people who felt like that wasn't real writing, wasn't real journalism. Uh, now, since then, we have, uh, we've changed the game quite a bit. I mean, blogging became a huge thing. I'm getting some, uh, <laughs> I got the impression from a group I belong to that blogging has been out for some time. I don't agree with that. Uh, blogs are still very important. And, uh, you know, everyone thinks everything's gone over to Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And it has, except blogs are still a, a huge source of information, uh, education, <laughs> all the things that check my little list, uh, inspiration. Uh, so they're still out there. I mean, look, there are some there are some sort of mainstream blogs now. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, oh gosh, they're Mashable and BuzzFeed and all these things. You know, they they're more media empires now, but it's still there. That content is still there. It's still influencing lives. Uh, so all that to say. It doesn't matter what your medium is. This is what the discussion I had with a lot of these bloggers, these cat bloggers. You know, if they're passionate about what they write about, that's what's important. Now, when it comes to monetizing it, now you might have to think of new strategies because just having a blog isn't going to be uh, necessarily financially uh, uh, viable for you. Um, but there are ways to parlay blog posts into something uh, that can fund you. <laughs> right? Just as an example, I'll just give you an example. Um, now I'm a big fan of repurposing content as much as possible. And this isn't new. This is something I actually had a conversation with someone. Uh, she's a, uh, a PhD. Um, she is a physician who happens to be a cat writer. Um, and she was talking about how she does, uh, you know, research and, and publishes because it's kind of required of her. And, but she repurposes that, that material all the time. There was an entire panel on this topic. It wasn't even my panel. Um, though I did talk about this somewhat in my panel. But the idea there was, uh, she goes off and does all this research. Well, what's, what are you going to do with it after you've published this one paper? The, the information doesn't go away. It can be repackaged. Uh, now, you might have to rewrite something. You, sometimes you're not allowed to just reuse content you created it just depends on who owns the rights to it if you've sold something to a magazine or uh, it's published in a journal and they they own the rights to it you can't just take that and uh and republish it somewhere uh sometimes you can short stories for example you can write a short story and publish it in a uh, magazine you give them first north american rights that sort of thing uh and uh, you're able to publish it again somewhere else in the world um, sometimes you can wait a set period of time like 90 days and you can republish it elsewhere you just have to check with that publication see what their rules are I'm a big fan though of creating content that you can repurpose as many times as possible it's what I do with my my uh, newsletter so I write a newsletter <clears throat> and um, and you know I have my written world uh, entries and then I will take those and uh, 
and I'm kind of gathering them all up. I'm going to, I want to have a big wealth of these before I do what I'm planning here, but I'm going to actually post those as blog posts. And then I'm going to, I've been reading them and recording them. So I'm producing a podcast around that content. And then that content will now be in, uh, it's in a text version and it's in an audio version. Uh, I'll edit some video around the uh, audio version so that I can run that on YouTube. And, uh, and it won't be super fancy, but it'll be something, you know, something people can play while they're, you know, as one of my listeners uh, pointed out, cooking a meal. <laughs> something a little more digestible uh, so that you don't burn your food trying to get through an hour long uh, podcast. That's a inside joke. Um, so the, uh, the idea there is I created that content once and reuse it multiple times. Now, after it's a blog post and after it's a, a podcast and after it's a video, I've got the content so I can create a book uh, based on these blog posts that I can make available for sale. I can take um, the audio that I've recorded, and I've already got the audio book recorded at that point. Uh, the video can be uploaded to some of these streaming services. Uh, some of these services are open to indie content, so uh, and can be monetized on the, some of these platforms. So I'll do that. So I've got, you know, this is an idea I actually I had years and years ago, <laughs> back in my film and TV days, of interviewing like. And you can feel free to do this. I mean, uh, I'm going to do it. I have done it, uh, but I don't want to prevent anyone else from using this idea. But, you know, let's say you interview uh, these. This I'm talking to the nonfiction crowd here, but you could. there are ways to do this for fiction. We'll get to it. Um, let's say you interview 20 people. And when you, when you do the interviews, you do them on video. You light it. You make it very professional. Uh, maybe you hire a crew, whatever. Or you do it on... Uh, Zoom or Skype and uh, or uh, Google Hangouts and you record it, but you know you you do your best to get a very clean professional production out of it because then you get a lot more use out of it, right? Um, the higher quality you have when you're producing something, the greater range you're going to have <laughs> in doing what I'm suggesting here. But let's just say you interviewed 20 people, and when you interviewed them, you asked them sets of questions. Maybe you have, you know, uh, maybe you have 20 questions. And it's four sets of five questions on specific topics. So five questions on marketing, five questions on uh, life philosophy, five questions on, uh, you know, just to put it in the writing sphere, five questions on uh, craft, five questions on, I don't know, interacting with your audience, engaging your audience, right? Uh, so you've got those four topics and five questions each from 20 people. Now you could take those, transcribe them, and I, I like using, there's a service called Timmy, T-E-M-I dot com, where you pay pennies to uh, transcribe. It's automated. Uh, you're probably going to have to do some cleanup. But between that, I can, I can do that, and I can go on Fiverr or something and find somebody to clean up the uh, transcription for me, right, and pay next to nothing. So that by the way, it's just astounding. When I was paying tens of thousands of dollars for transcriptions back in my video production days. Uh, but for, you know, not a lot of money, you can have everything you've recorded transcribed. Well, look at what you've done. You've recorded a video. From the video, you can yank the audio and make a podcast. Yeah, and uh, you've got the video. So the podcast can be just snippets of these conversations. It doesn't have to be the entire conversation, right? 
multiple episodes, you can pre-produce them, that gets you an audience. And in each podcast, you can push the idea of another product. So let's say that you took the transcriptions and you made eBooks, you know, no overhead. You can do print too. So that's two different products out of that. Um, you can take snippets and do blog posts. Blog posts and, and podcasts are really good for aiming people at your content, for aiming people at what you're doing. Now you've got a whole list of products there. You've also got the video, so you can edit the video together, create short short snippets for YouTube to help build an audience there, and uh, cut it together as a you know do, a little documentary a little documentary series on each topic. You got four topics, so you you can do, you know, you can spread these out. You got twenty interviews, so you can spread it out even further. Do do a topic in two parts. Do a topic in you know, three or four parts if you want. Um, but you you know, the idea here is to build up a library of content that you can manipulate in as many ways as possible, uh, and then you can compile all that into one big documentary if you want. And you can make that available. CreateSpace is still around. You can still do CreateSpace for DVDs and that sort of thing uh, and upload to the streaming services. And there's there are ways to monetize that. Um, so what you've got is, with a little planning, a little effort up in the, in ahead, of, ahead of time, you can create a whole bunch of products that help, uh, that you can, that will help you monetize your work. Now, that's, Really mostly aimed at the nonfiction crowd, but let me talk about fiction. And I got about five minutes, uh, uh, maybe 15 minutes. I got like 15 minutes left. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to do you guys a solid and not go huge, hugely long on these things. <laughs> um, so for fiction writers, the same sort of thing can apply. You could write a handful of short stories. Um, I would suggest writing short stories that you publish on your blog and you can either leave them long term or you can uh, take them down after a certain amount of time. I would utilize some of the platforms that are out there like Medium. Uh, you know, some of the, uh, there's a, gosh, now they're all going to escape me. But there's a handful of platforms out there both uh, on the web and on apps that will allow you to publish your short stories and get feedback and get followers and that sort of thing. Uh, and you can always take those down. You don't have to leave it permanently. And, uh, um, but I don't see any harm in it really. I, I have stuff, I have entire novels floating around out there for free that I still make money on. So it's just, uh, it's just a way of getting people's attention, right? So you can write a bunch of short stories. You could also write articles and blog posts and things about your topic. So for example, I write about archeological um, I write archaeological thrillers. I can I can write about archaeological topics. I can write about history. Uh, these are nonfiction pieces, but I can use them to point uh, readers back to my fiction. And one of the things that does, by the way, is the his the history bits draw in a certain type of reader, uh, and if they're interested in what I writing as far as uh, the style of writing and the the history I'm covering if I say to them you know I also write fiction you might get a 50 50 chance of a reader going through and uh, becoming a reader of your fiction but that means they're more they're well vetted you see where I'm going with that <laughs> so the the nonfiction history stuff draws them in they become interested they like you 
and then they move on and they they go uh, check out your fiction. So um, that is um, that's one way to to do that. Uh, so you've got those pieces, nonfiction and fiction pieces, short stories and articles, uh, and you can bundle those into a book at the end of you know maybe. If you're depending on how often you're doing short fiction, for example, uh, let's say you're doing a story a week. Well, every month you could put out a collection of those four stories, or you could wait and do it every quarter, right? Uh, just depends on how many stories you want to have in the book, uh, and then you can do an omnibus or something, <laughs> or a collection at the end of each year, um, and so you know you can repackage this content. Now you don't want to cheat anybody. You don't want to present because uh, there's there are scammers out there that do things like, um, you know, there's a here's a brand new story, but it's at the back of this book that's in Kindle Unlimited, uh, behind 50 other stories you've already paid for and seen elsewhere. So to get to this story, you have to scan, you have to page read through basically to get to the story, right? So they're trying to game the system. Then Amazon's been cracking down on that kind of thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about repackaging uh stories by themes uh by you know it's a way to reach a different audience with this stuff may be very transparent about everything you know this story you can say in the description this this collection contains stories that have appeared in previous collections you know and list them out you know be as honest as you can really because the last thing you want to do is make your reader feel cheated because then they won't come back um, you're, the idea here is to build a relationship with your reader and you can't build a good relationship if you're lying to them. So don't lie to them. <laughs> That's my advice. That's Kevin's advice. Um, so once you've got all that, you know, you can also read those short stories and articles out loud, you know, and record them if you feel comfortable doing that, or you can have someone do that. Th th these are instances, by the way, where it's good to use a service like Fiverr.com. I don't recommend Fiverr. It's Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Um, I don't recommend Fiverr for things like getting your cover done unless you just have no other means. Uh, and even then, I would be very careful about, you know, my approach to getting a cover. Uh, but you can find, there are certain services you can find, and you're probably going to pay more than five bucks, but you can find editors who might be pretty decent, um, at least help you find typos. For a reasonable rate, uh, you can find people to, uh, you can find narrators, and you're going to pay more for these services, okay, more than five bucks. But this might be a good way to find somebody pretty good that's reasonable in price that you can work with. Um, and if you're paying them to read a short story here and there, it's not going to cost you as much as paying them to read a novel. You can spread the cost out. So you could uh, find a find a good narrator on on Fiverr. Have them produce a short story for you each week, you know, or each month, or however frequently you uh, want to pull this off, and uh, however frequently you can afford. And then you've got a collection of these things written, read by the same narrator, which readers like, listeners like. Um, you can bundle those and put those up as audiobooks through Findaway Voices. Get out to the world, 170 plus countries worldwide. Um, you've got. Uh, you know, you've written them, so you can bundle them as ebooks easy. You can, uh, if you've got enough of them to uh, bulk up your page count, you can do uh, paperbacks. So there are just a lot of ways to monetize the same work. Um, so 
all this started because I was talking about the cat riders <laughs> and uh, how they didn't feel accepted. Um, so I wanted to round this off, by the way, by talking about that idea, because the last thing you should ever worry about is whether or not what you're writing is popular, is um, accepted. Uh, we live in a world now where you can you can produce basically anything you want on any topic you want. And uh, you should never feel ashamed of that. Now, there are things you shouldn't write about. <laughs> and maybe this is mostly my opinion, but there are topics, some of which are never going to make you any money because they're, they're unmonetizable. Um, but don't let that stop you either. If you feel like you need to express yourself, you know, uh, there, there's always a, there's always a, a, an audience out there for this stuff. Um, there are certain topics that are forbidden, you know, uh, taboo. Uh, maybe uh, you can find a market for that as well. But, it, you know, you, you have to deal with your own conscience on that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but don't don't let don't let the uh, the popular kids tell you that you can't do it because if you listen to those folks, if, if, if everybody, uh, <laughs> people listen to the, uh, the popular opinion all the time, we wouldn't have some of the most amazing stories we have. Uh, frankly, the Martian would never have been written if, uh, if he had been, if Andy Weir had been paying attention to, you know, advice from the, the quote successful authors out there. It's just not a traditional, it's not a book written in a way that uh, would have gotten a traditional audience, you know, because he wrote it on a blog platform first, it gained, it, it had many more advantages. He was able to do something very experimental that worked out very well. Um, the same with Wool from Hugh Howey, the same with a lot of uh, books that are out there. I just interviewed, in fact, this, fr this Friday, you're going to hear an interview with, uh, with uh, Michael Bunker, uh, talking about his the movie deal for his book Pennsylvania, it's about an Amish guy in space. You're never going to see that in traditional publishing. That they're going to tell you it can't sell, and he's got a movie deal. So you just have to you have to decide what it is that you're passionate about, what story it is that you want to tell. Don't worry about um, anything. Just go tell it. I get, I hear people, I mean, I have heard some really horrible things said uh, about indie publishers, you know, about indie writers. Um, just, there are just people out there who just don't think we should exist. There are people out there who think that we are ruining literature, that we are, um, you know, because we're not uh, going through gatekeepers, uh, you know, we are not worthy. Uh, you know something? Let them, let them say whatever they want. <laughs> let them say just anything they want to say. Because the fact is, we know, you and I know, that there's a market for everything. That, uh, you know, it's not about, it, it's, it's more about being earnest, being honest, being personable, being forthright. It's more about that than anything else. So I want to encourage you to pick up the pen, pick up the keyboard and, and write. And don't worry about, you know, getting approval from anybody. Don't worry about gatekeepers. 
there is going to be a way for you to get your work out there. And, uh, you know, if you want a traditional contract, then you're going to have to play by their rules. And that is fine, too. If that's the way you want to go, don't let the indie authors make you feel bad about it. Don't let me make you feel bad about it. You've got just as much right to pursue that career as I had to pursue mine. And uh, it doesn't matter. You know, success is something you're going to have to define for yourself. And almost everybody at some point defines success by a dollar amount. Um, but the truth is success is doing what you love, being able to do what you love with no one to stop you. <laughs> uh, and if you can get there by going through traditional publishing, God bless you. I, I, I know thousands of authors who've done it and they're perfectly happy. If you can get there by writing about cats on your blog, do it. If you can get there by recording yourself, uh, reading your emails, and blog posts, uh, whatever, you know, then do that. But the, 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 the point here is uh, there's nothing to stop you from going out and creating the work that you want to create, mastering this world that you want to master. There's absolutely nothing. As Jim Rohn says, you are the variable. All things being equal, the key to your success is realizing that the only thing you can control, the only variable you can control is you, your attitude, your perspective, the way you think, the way you react, you can control your response. You should respond and not react. That's the rule. You should think and respond and never react. That's the rule. So <laughs> all that said, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. And, uh, I hope that you are, uh, having a wonderful time at this. I hope you're, I hope you're enjoying the new format of the show. Uh, I hope that you are, uh, successful in your efforts. Um, I'm really excited for you, you know, wherever, whatever level you're at right now, I, 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 I can, I know it, I understand it. So, and I know how frustrating it can be when you're watching and the needle just doesn't seem to move, but man, just you wait, <laughs> man, when it hits, it's like, bam, uh, see, so, you know, work on your, work on your attitude, work on your definition of success, work on, um, building your resources, improve yourself, improve your craft and, and skill, improve your resources, improve your friends, <laughs> improve the equipment you use, just constantly move towards improve work from where you are, work with what you have, but always thinking about how do I, how do I improve? And I promise you, Life is going to get pretty sweet. So that's it for uh, for today's episode of the Word Slinger podcast. Um, still looking for a way for names for this thing. Thank you to everybody who uh, reached out via email, especially you, Chip Polk. I see you out there, and I saw your email, and I have not yet been able to respond. I haven't been able to respond to anybody yet. Uh, but some, some of you have said some um, pretty amazing things and with some pretty fantastic encouragement. I really do appreciate that. You have no idea how much I appreciate that. I, I need that stuff. I need that. That's how I, I'm like an, I am like a, um, I'm like a uh, positivity vampire. <laughs> okay. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic week. Tune in Friday for uh, Michael Bunker's interview. God bless each of you. And I'll see you all next time. Word Slinger.